Welcome to another episode of Splice Together. I'm a robot. <laughs> Good job. And that robot is? Huh? Michelle. There's a red uh, thingy moving toward the green thingy. What? Red thingy moving toward the green thingy. I think, I think we're the green thingy. And I'm Harper. The raisins are all around the edge of these cakes. They're really good. The cucumber sandwiches are all right too, except when they use margarine instead of butter. I hope there's butter in the sandwiches today. I really do hate margarine. And today we're talking about all the movies we watched in July. And boy, not all the movies, but a lot of the yeah. movies we watched in July. If we talked about all the movies we watched in July, <laughs> we'd be here <laughs> for three or four hours probably. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so once again, if you're listening to this years and years in the future, this is in the quarantine before the Mad Max uh, apocalypse yeah. kicked in. So we're <laughs> all we're getting closer to it. Yeah, it's getting every day inching a little closer. <laughs> but we're still stuck at home and watching like a movie or two every day, pretty much. Sometimes um, more. Because <laughs> what else we have to do? <laughs> um, so I guess uh, we can just dig right in. So the first movie we've got on our list is a movie we watched actually at the very end of last month, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it on the podcast, and that was the Dr. Sleep Director's Cut. The director being... <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. was <laughs> like waiting, like the, Mike uh, Flanagan? Director Mike Flanagan, <laughs> the director's cut uh, that's up on who? HBO, HBO Max. Um, yeah, we've been excited to see this because we really liked the movie and we saw it in theaters and we hadn't bought it yet and hadn't had a chance to see it again or see the extended one so we're excited to watch it um and i really liked it me too um yeah i don't i i did right after we watched it i looked up what they added in the director's cut and i i don't remember now but i think it's it's a lot of small things that just add to like character bits it's not i don't there may be one or two like actual full scenes added but i think most of it is like it adds more character to like um the guy that uh, that he works with that helps him dig up the body and yeah. uh, like that he's got a brother who was an alcoholic also and some stuff with the girl yeah some stuff with the girl's uh, parents I think oh yeah and her birthday party like I think the spoons thing was in there but there was some other stuff like with the cake that was not there before yeah. and yeah this sounds like total nonsense yeah I've seen the movie. <laughs> but yeah I I do think it. The movie was long already, and um, and so this does add, I don't know exactly how I much I think longer. it was like 25 extra minutes, Something. so it it's came out pretty, around three hours. Yeah, it's a pretty extensive extension, I guess. But Also, it's basically the sequel to The Shining, if you don't know. Well, yeah, we had, I guess we didn't mention what Dr. Sleep was. Yeah, yeah. It's based starring on, Ewan McGregor. Based on the Stephen <laughs> King book, um, the sequel to The Shining. Yeah. Um, 
about uh what's his name dan torrance dan danny danny, danny torrance when he grows danny. up uh and encounters a group of people who danny eat, has some issues who basically <laughs> eat the souls of people uh particularly the people who shine who have yeah. like a magic to them um and yeah i don't know if we talked about this on the i don't know if we the podcast was going yet when we saw this originally um which we saw at the Plaza Theater originally Where, early, right? Yeah, like in October. Which they filmed at the Plaza too, so that was cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I still really like this movie a lot. I liked it better this time around, I think, actually. I think um, I liked it better too. Um, mostly because the problems I had with it, I kind of was able to set aside this time because yeah. I, I knew what to expect. Although the main problem I still have... Is, uh, the recasting of uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson's yeah. character. Yeah, I agree. It just doesn't look like him. So it's just like, uh, who is this bartender? Yeah, like, it bothered <laughs> me less this time because I knew what was going on. But yeah, the when first he's time, in the bathroom, which I think was extended, maybe, maybe yeah. he looks way more like him. But when they just keep the profile in the bar, it's just like it doesn't look like Jack Nicholson. So yeah, I agree. They just it's, like shaved his hair weird. It's just sort of confusing more than anything. Yeah, I, like I don't really know a better way that they could have done that. Like maybe just using his voice. Yeah. Or something, but um, yeah, I, I agree. It's distracting, but I do like that scene. If I can put that kind of a quibble about it aside, I yeah. think the dialogue's really interesting. I give um, it four and a half. Yeah, I think I did too. Let me check. Um, I gave it a four and a half as well, which yeah, I think might have been a bump up. I have a half star from the last time. I think mine was the same, but I don't know. Also, I have to mention, I really like the sound design in it. I love the fact, it seems like it would get annoying that they use the heartbeat thing like almost throughout the entire movie, but it really works because, yeah. I don't know, it really dials up like your empathy for the characters. That, that heartbeat kind of lulls you into it. It's really cool. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, so next up is one you watched without me. Footloose, footloose. <laughs> something in your something Sunday shoes. something <laughs> kick up your Sunday shoes mm. I don't know mm. uh, so I watched me. the original Footloose because there is a remake of it out there uh, it came out in 1984 it's directed by Herbert Ross I don't know if I've seen anything else by Herbert Ross Herbert oh Steel Magnolias I've seen that hmm. um, starring Kevin Bacon and Laurie Singer and John Lithgow as a uh, horrible anti-dance anti-dance priest or <laughs> minister and diane west is the mom oh really i like her a lot yeah there's a it, oh, sarah jessica weist? parker i never know how to pronounce i don't it, know but i like her a lot weist uh so i have never seen this and i usually really like 80s movies and i'm gonna say it's not as bad as i thought it was gonna be uh i really shining review yeah it's not that bad <laughs> Uh, it does make you want to dance, uh, but there's actually not that much dancing. There's this. I'm a little disappointed. I always thought Kevin Bacon did his own dancing, but there's a scene like in a warehouse where he's like he's really upset and mad, and he's got to dance out his feelings. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's like so obviously some like Olympic gymnast doing like backflips and stuff all <laughs> over the place. And then they just like splice Kevin Bacon in like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's funny. Um, Oh, and it has that guy, what's his name, who's in uh, Pulp, not Reservoir Dogs in Tarantino films. Michael Madsen? Chris, Chris Penn. Oh, Chris Penn. But he's really, like, skinny and really tall. And it's like, so I wasn't expecting him. I didn't know he was actually that tall compared to everybody else, I guess. Weird. Um, 
So I gave it three and a half stars. And I think the very end, my only review was that the amount of glitter they use is a little concerning. <laughs> like all these people dancing in a barn with glitter everywhere. <laughs> a lot of people would like glitter, uh, glitter lung issues yeah. later. I got the glitter lung. And my only takeaway from this is that religion is bad. <laughs> I always, when, when anybody describes Footloose to me, because I've never seen it, I always picture it in like a post-apocalyptic world. It's like Barter Town and they're like, no dancing allowed. Yeah. It's basically like that. It's just because a bunch of teenage kids died. And so the town like goes crazy and starts banning everything. But then they like also start burning books. And then John Lithgow suddenly has a problem with that. And he's like, what have we become? Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, If, only, if yeah. only the world might really recognize their mistakes. So he kind of like redeems himself in the end by allowing these kids to dance. <laughs> that solves all the problems. Yeah. But um, I'm all for Kevin Bacon running around dancing and glitter. So all right, yeah. Uh, next up was one we wanted to catch from last year and never got around to, and that is Ford V Ferrari. What do you think the V stands for? V8 <laughs> versus I don't know. <laughs> um, so very yeah. very Ferrari. <laughs> this was uh, directed by James Mangold. It came out last year and got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. It was like the I think it might have been the only Best Picture nominee we didn't end up seeing, and we kind of just never got around to it. And also, we didn't get a chance to see it with either of our dads, so that's probably why we yeah, didn't. Yeah, it see came it. out like on Father's Day weekend too. It's <laughs> a dad movie. <laughs> um, but I will say I liked it a lot better than I expected to. Um, yeah. well, let's say what it's about. I guess I keep forgetting to do that. Um. It is about the real life story of uh, these guys. Basically, Ferrari was winning the uh, what was the, what's what's the race? I can't remember. Uh, some race uh, in France. Le Mans. The Le Mans, yeah. Uh, and Ferrari had won the race like every single year for many years. And then um, Ford, Henry Ford the Third, basically, uh, he wanted to. Uh, he tried to buy Ferrari and then got kind of uh, humiliated by them. And then wanted to beat them in the race. And so they spent yeah. all this money developing a Ford race car. And this is the story about the guy who developed the car and the guy who drove it and also helped kind of tweak it, engineer it. Um, and I'm not like a car person, even a little bit, but um, <laughs> I did think the movie was very compelling and really fun. And the races were really um, well edited and intense and the sound design was great. So yeah. I definitely, I found myself getting way, way more into it than I expected to. What about you? Uh, for the most part, I think it's a solid film, and I think it's a little formulaic, like Oscar formulaic. Sure. <laughs> um, so for the most part, I really enjoyed it, and I actually was into like the car racing, so that's good. And then I thought the cast was pretty good, but I mean, I don't think I'd ever watch it again. Probably. I mean, I probably wouldn't either, but I think my only major complaint about it is I think they they should have cut out all the stuff like the first 20 minutes where it's all talking about Ford and Ferrari and neither of the main characters are really a part of that story yet is kind of feels pointless. Like it could have almost been like a text open, like Ferrari won the race and Ford tried to buy it. You know, like we didn't need that because the movie was already pretty long. Oh, the other part I hated was when uh, Matt Damon has his like car commercial narration near the end. He's like, oh yeah, and you're driving a Ford or whatever. It's you're like the it car up on the red line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Like, yeah, are we just gonna have this as a commercial? I felt a little, little ridiculous, but <laughs> yeah, I guess um, Ford had to. The studios probably uh, execs put that in. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. 
Uh, but yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I actually ended up giving it a four star because I did really enjoy it. I gave it three and a half. Cool. All okay. right. Uh, so you, let's see. After Ford versus Ferrari, we watched Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> Technically a 2020 release. Yeah. So let's see. One of see. the few movies coming out this year. We actually had a few this year. Yeah. And if you, ha- this was directed by Thomas Kale. Um, and so it's basically just the live recordings from the Broadway show, uh, sort of stitched together so you can enjoy it from home. So finally, you don't have to spend like $200 on a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, you can just watch it on Disney. It's actually probably better to watch at home because I got to see it in person like a year or two ago, and it's kind of hard to understand all the the fast talking. <laughs> well, I, I can, and I see any musical, I can, I, yeah. I catch about a third of what they say in musicals, and just like I like this melody. Yeah, so we were, we were old people and turned the captions on so we could really take in all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah th- this is one where it's like. Uh, Sometimes, like we talk about when we watch documentaries, like I don't know how to separate the movie from the play. Yeah, like that's I, my issue with how to review. I really this. enjoyed the play. Like I liked the play a lot, but I don't know necessarily that this is a great movie. Yeah, because the play like is as good. a movie. I huh? do think it's impressive <laughs> that they edited this together from like I think four or five, no, or more than that, a bunch of different performances because they did like yeah. some from the audience and some where they had the cam- no audience and they had the cameras up on stage real close to them. It does feel very seamless. Like it feels like one performance, which yeah. is really impressive. Um, and it's edited nicely and stuff and you yeah. get, get some cool views like from above that you wouldn't get seeing it on stage. Yeah. So, which I had to see it with limited view. So I couldn't <laughs> see like half the stage most of the time. So I was like, I don't know so what's going on in that corner. Much better view yeah. then. Um, you take what you can get in the world of Hamilton. So. Uh, but I did like the play. I like the music. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, the music is really catchy. It, it was is like catchy. stuck in my head the whole week. <laughs> and I think... Uh, there are parts of it, like it doesn't necessarily to me feel like a solid story, but it does give you a really good, interesting history of a lot of these yeah. figures. Um, not just Hamilton, but like Aaron Burr and some of the yeah. other folks around him too. So um, yeah, there's some cool stuff in there. And, and uh, actually I listened to a podcast later about how they did some of the sound design stuff and it's pretty interesting too, how much work went into that. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, g- I gave it a four star, but again, that's mostly for the play. Yeah, I gave it four and a half because I like the play. So as a movie, I don't know. It's hard to separate it. Yeah, agreed. But it's cool to finally be able to see it after yeah. hearing nonstop about <laughs> it for years <laughs> and years. <laughs> um, yeah, so Hamilton. Next up uh, was a crazy little number. <laughs> Boy, I don't know where this one came from. <laughs> so we watched Xanadu, <laughs> which came out in 1980, directed by Robert Greenwald, and it stars Olivia Newton-John and Gene Kelly, Michael Beck, a bunch of other weird people. I don't know. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen, for I, sure. Yeah. I've seen a lot of, like, strange movies but this was really weird it's a fantasy it's a musical it's a place where dreams come true all in a roller disco like i don't know club (laughs) so yeah there's a lot going on in this film uh let me let me try and sum it up here's what this is about some paintings come to life yes that are also maybe Greek gods. They are Greek goddesses. They're like, they're the muses, right? Yeah. And then one of those muses inspires a guy who paints 
uh, re- album, album cover who paints not original album covers but recreates album covers for like store windows. Yeah, she inspires him and Gene Kelly, who is like a retired jazz uh, musician, <laughs> to create a roller disco. Yes, <laughs> that's pretty accurate. All but right. there's also like a weird animation scene in between. Yeah, all I mean, that. there's also like a weird romance. <laughs> It's very weird. Painting uh, and man. So I think the famous review was Xana Don't. <laughs> I will agree with. Yeah. I would not recommend watching this unless you're like, I don't know. It would probably be really fun to watch in a huge crowd, like at the movie theater or something. Like if Wussy Mag did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so weird. It's so strange. It's like, um, and in the beginning, like when Gene Kelly shows up, it's, I was actually kind of interested, yeah. like. I don't know, just because he's so super charming and uh, yeah. it's cool to see him. But um, little tap dance. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. Like th- most of the time you can't, I, I didn't understand what either was happening or why it was happening. Yeah. I mean, I think Gene Kelly was probably the best part of the movie. Definitely, <laughs> but, 100%. Yeah, I'm just like, why is he in this? This might have been like one of his last films. I think it was one of his which last. Which is, yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting way to go out. <laughs> yeah, the last half hour of this movie was so hard to get through for yeah. me. It was just a bunch of monotonous musical sequences that serve no story purpose Basically, at all. I think they made up like, oh, it wouldn't be cool if we did like a flashback number and whatever. So yeah, oh I gave God. it two stars. I can't believe I rated this movie higher than you. I gave it two and a half. <laughs> well, yep. Xanadu or Xanadont. You decide. <laughs> uh, so next up was The Witches from, what year is that? Uh, 19, 1990. 90. Oh, yeah, because we watched uh, two 1990 movies in a row, I think. Um, yeah, we did. Uh, so The Witches is based on a Roald Dahl book and it's directed by Nicholas Rogue, which is super weird. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, it's kind of a kid's movie, but also this is one of those movies that I think people mention It would traumatize kids. Yes, that they mention as like a (laughs) uh, kinder trauma. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, a movie that's definitely too scary for kids, but is made for kids. Um, So basically it's about a little boy who uh, him and his grandmother go to this hotel and (laughs) discover that there's a convention of witches there that are planning on turning all the children darker than that his parents die die. (laughs) and the grandma has like lung cancer or something and she's also (laughs) she's no she's diabetes oh but she has to go to the coast to get fresh air yeah because that solves diabetes (laughs) um but she uh and she's had this like weird run-in with witches in her life yeah like she lost part of a finger right yeah but they discover so that weird. <laughs> there's a convention of witches at this hotel and the witches are planning on turning all the kids in the world into mice. And the queen witch, Angelica Houston. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, and really overdramatic in this. <laughs> yes. So uh, I like this a, a, a good bit, actually. It's pretty fun. It's got the same weird, like, dreamy fable feel of a lot of these, like, early 90s kind of kid sort of horror movies company of wolves was the one that it really reminded me of a lot um uh it didn't henson was involved in this right i'm pretty sure because they do use like little mouse puppets and stuff and, and the like and the witch the weird witch when yeah, she takes Jim her henson skin off company yeah um i thought the costumes and the puppet work were really really cool and yeah. the mi- all the stuff with the mice puppet or real 
both are really cool actually like it's surprising how well these mice could like jump and yeah. do all this crazy stuff on command it's kind of amazing oh although i hate the little kid so much but yes the main kid is horribly miscast i yeah. agree <laughs> he's so annoying he's annoying and monotone and boring grandma grandma it's okay i can stay a mouse yeah it's okay <laughs> um did you know they changed the ending of this movie from the book no like in the book he does stay a mouse forever and the grandma oh is like super sad <laughs> they about were it. probably like we can't go that way <laughs> well yeah the movie seems like it's gonna end that way and then suddenly uh the one witch who like got fed up and left comes back and cures him and yeah. like yeah it's so like it's so weird machina. too because he's naked Oh like right! In a dollhouse, yeah, he, like he lives in a dollhouse it. as a mouse, and then when he turns back into a kid, he's like a naked kid. It's like in a you guys dollhouse. gonna put some pants on him? <laughs> like it's I don't think weird. we would have questioned it. But I do like. I wish it had ended the way it doesn't apparently in the book, and because he's like, I don't mind being a mouse. How long do mice live? <laughs> and the grandma's oh, just God. like crying. <laughs> um, Probably as long as grandma's gonna live. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the only I don't want to know how many mice died in the making of this movie because it had to be. Hundreds, <laughs> I, I don't hundreds. Know. There's all those scenes with this mice running around. They're people like are super stomping. trained mice. Yeah, but how do those feel like stomp and it's never probably, actually? If they're stomp under on the rug, like I don't know. I would like to believe no animals were harmed. <laughs> I can't imagine that at least a hundred mice didn't die. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I thought the movie was it's it's a lot of fun, and I think I had seen it as a kid, but I didn't really remember it. I had watched it a lot as a kid, so it's still pretty uh, up there for me. I give it four stars. I gave it three and a half. Um, and then we watched another movie from 1990. Child's Play 2. Correct. Uh, so it was directed by John Lafia, which I don't know what else he's done. But uh, this is the second movie in the Chucky franchise. So if you don't know what Chucky is, he's a little crazy doll possessed by a serial killer who's out to murder somebody because of voodoo magic. And he has to take the soul of a, a young kid and then he'll be human again. Right? <laughs> Something like that. Basically, yeah. <laughs> He's a voodoo serial killer. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a lot of fun, actually. I liked it a lot better than I yeah. expected to. I was expecting it to be kind of uh, dumb. Well, because like, here's the thing. We've seen Child's Play 1, and then at a Halloween party many years ago, we watched Child's Play 3, and Child's Play 3 is real dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, but this was pretty good, actually. Um, the uh, There's like... I wish they had cut out... They, opening with like the toy lab where they're like trying to figure out what went wrong yeah. with the toy and how we those, have to figure it out because it's like it's a bad pre it's bad press because the this lady died and the kid yeah. says that the toy did it <laughs> um yeah and then like chucky electrocutes these guys in like the toy lab where mm. they like recreate they're like fixing him yeah it's so bizarre they build him to see if anything was wrong yeah, which is like, uh, okay. You just right? brought him back to life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess they had to kind of explain, throw that in to get him back. <laughs> it's pretty silly. But after that, the setup is actually pretty good where like, you know, uh, Andy goes back, he gets into like a foster family. Yeah. And he keeps so getting in trouble. No believe him. Yeah, he keeps getting in trouble for like destroying. Yeah, the dad in this foster family is so awful. Yeah, he's really mean for no reason. He like, why do you guys want foster yeah, kids? Yeah, he seems like he doesn't didn't want kids, yeah. and the wife just uh, convinced Filling him. Filling the hole in her heart. But I like uh, I like the addition of uh, his foster sister Kyle as yeah, his she ally. She's a she's a pretty cool character. Um, uh, and then, yeah, this whole movie really, though, is all about getting to the toy factory yeah. scene, which is <laughs> awesome. 
because uh, they yeah, they end up going back to the toy factory and they're like have this big showdown with Chucky in the toy factory where they kill Chucky not once, not twice, but three <laughs> different ways. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, but it's awesome. It's like that part's really cool. Yeah, the production. When you see that huge vat of like melted plastic yeah, or whatever. Melted doll stuff. skin. <laughs> yeah. Like something's gonna happen. And all that. these like it's like a video game. There's like all the big like pistons like crushing stuff and yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool, and the production design in the toy factory is great. It's all super like primary colors, and yeah, that that whole sequence is really fun. I really like that a lot, and the the Chucky deaths are fantastic. Yeah, shout <laughs> out to Brad Dorf. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and his creepy little Chucky voice. I beg of you. It's <laughs> a good impression. <laughs> so I don't think it's as good as the first one, but I still like it. I give it three and a half. I think it's. I think it's probably. I haven't seen the first one in a long time, but I would say it's pretty on par. I gave it three and a half also. Um, but yeah, I'm excited now. I wish it's frustrating that like a lot of these are on streaming, but the next one we need to watch, which I think is Bride of Chucky, is no, like nowhere to be found. Because mm. really, I've never seen anything after this. I haven't either. I've only seen the first three. I haven't seen Bride, Cult, Child. Is there one more? I think, think that's it. I think there's three others. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to watch this because this one was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so next, I watched Inside Man, but mm-hmm. you have seen it in the past too. I have. Uh, so this is a 2006 Spike Lee film joint, Spike Lee joint. <laughs> um, and if you haven't seen it, it stars Denzel Washington, Clive Owen, Jodie Foster, Christopher Plummer, William Dafoe. I can never say his name. Chiwetel Ejiofor. Ejiofor. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Harper. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's one of the best heist movies ever. Yeah, I wish I had watched this with you. Yeah, I I'm, I'd be up time. for rewatching it. I like it a lot. Um, I liked it a lot the first time we saw it. Um, so Clive Owen is basically robbing a bank owned by Christopher Plummer. And Denzel Washington is the detective or host not well, yeah, hostage negotiator because there's like 50 people inside the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not I'm gonna not give away anything because I think there's a he- great twist in all of this. True. Um, but I really like how Spike Lee sort of films it. So it's after September 11th, like New York, and so there's a lot of like different people in the bank that he has like social commentary on like each person and kind of hmm. how they're going through life. Oh, I remember that. Um, so there's like a, uh, a Sikh uh, bank teller mm-hmm. who, uh, when he gets sent out of the bank, the police go crazy and they're like, is there a bomb in your like uh turban and stuff? And they like mm-hmm. rip off his turban and he gets beat up. And then like later on they're uh, talking to him and he's like, you guys beat me up and you won't give me back my turban. Like, why should I cooperate with you? Like, I'm not the bad guy here. You go, buddy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a lot of stuff with, uh, there's two women who have really big boobs. <laughs> That's interesting. It's a plot point. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's kind of like how of they're cash? treated. Yeah. <laughs> no. But like, they're like the, uh, one of the hostage people had very large boobs <laughs> and they're like, you match the description. She's like, so I'm in trouble for having double D's or whatever. <laughs> Damn. Uh, so I really like it. It's a little like, uh, the style is very contrasty. So it's like hmm. that early two thousands, like high, uh, digital, colors and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then it also has a signature like track shot where Denzel Washington is like kind of going up to the bank, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and Jodie Foster is. She's a good villain. She's yeah. <laughs> she's awful, but also great. <laughs> I think I'd have a hard time watching this now because the score would just make me think of when the levees broke. Yeah. He did <laughs> use the same score, uh, which I guess is like a year after that. Or the well, that was a year after this, right? I think he took. No, it's two thousand five. No, because in the credits for when Levy broke, it said the theme from Inside Man. <laughs> yeah, but I thought Hurricane Katrina was in two thousand five. This came out in two thousand six. What? That's weird. I right? guess maybe he was making them at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I guess there is overlap. Yeah. Anyways, that's not important. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I love it. I think the cast is probably one of the best Spike Lee casts ever. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I need to watch this again. It's been a long time since I've seen it. It's currently on Netflix, so we can watch it whenever. Plus we own it. So <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah. We own a blockbuster yeah. <laughs> used DVD version. I think we got a Blu-ray version of it now. We'll see. I thought we swapped it out. We'll see. So yeah, I never really hear a lot about this for Spike Lee stuff, but I think this is one of his better ones. Yeah, it's a great. It's just a really solid crime movie. Yeah, it's really well done. It has yeah. great twists. Like if you don't know what the twist is, then definitely watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Inside Man. All right. So next up, we watched Never Story. Ending Story. <laughs> so yeah, 1984. Which can I say as a kid. I only caught glimpses of this, like bits and pieces on TV. And because of that, I assumed <laughs> that it really was a never ending story. Yeah, I was like, how can it end? That it's it was just ending. a it was just a movie that was always going on forever and ever. Yeah. And my illusion has been shattered. <laughs> Basically. Uh also it's directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Isn't this so weird? That is extremely weird, yes. Das Boot. And then never ending story. <laughs> and then didn't he make some of these nineties like yeah, Air, you make Force Air Force One. One? Yeah, <laughs> Troy. A, he's got one of the strangest out, uh, careers. Yeah, him and George Miller have a lot in common. I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> um. So first, have you? Did, you never saw this as a kid, except for little bits no, and pieces. No, I didn't know the story at all. So all I have ever seen is the yeah, like when <laughs> the kid is punching the air. <laughs> so here's what this story, this movie's about: is a kid who gets beat up a lot. What an original thought. Um, and then well, he, because he's different, he meets this weird uh, guy in a bookstore who gives him this giant book called The Neverending Story, and then he's reading that book, and the kid starts reading the book and misses school and like I guess becomes a missing person because he's gone for a long time. Um, <laughs> and like the school has this creepy like attic, like yes. How did and, they leave that unlocked? And then eventually it becomes like this weird meta thing where like. In yeah. the story, they're talking to him and about him, and he has to save the day He's by the reading the story. Who can save us, a human boy, by yelling something <laughs> unintelligible out of the window. Oh yeah, turns out his to mom's moon name? child. That's like his mom's name, yeah, right? He's like, I'll give you my mom's name. Yeah, he has to moon child. Yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. I don't know. The uh, the meta part is kind of cool, especially as a kid. I'm sure it would have been really fun. And the puppet work, this is another Henson movie, right? It's got to be. I'm pretty sure. Um, it's like the entire thing is puppets. <laughs> yeah, the puppets are really great. I like the rock guy and um, obviously, what's his name? What's the... Uh, what's Although maybe not. It might be like... The German, German, German stuff. Company. Yeah. yeah, this is like the most expensive German movie ever made at the time. I don't see Jim Henson listed. Weird, so that's shocking. Some other people. Um. Yeah, a lot of good puppet stuff. What's the what's the big dog's name? Uh, uh, oh, we're man. terrible. 
This is awful. Oh. Just awful. Fal- Falcor. 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 So <laughs> my major, the, oh, and the set designs are really cool too. Like the swamp and all that stuff is really They are cool. really cool, but it's, I still feel like it's very limited for an, like very fantasy movie. Perhaps. Like you get the beginning with a couple of like weird people, but then you don't really get anything else after that. Uh, I'd like this movie a whole lot more if the two kids didn't scream all the time. That's all they do. <laughs> Wolfgang was probably like, more emotion. And like, he's like, Atreyu! <laughs> like when Atreyu's fighting like the big wolf thing or whatever in the yeah. end. And the wolf is like, and the world must end. And he's like, but why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's so annoying. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The worst part of this movie is freaking H. H- Artrax, Atax, Atax, the horse in the swamp when he dies because he's sad. Oh, the horse! He said horse. I was like, what horse? This kids' film. The horse. Yeah. I was not prepared for that scene, and that comes pretty early. Yeah, the horse drowns very slowly in, because like, he's sad. Yeah, literally, oh he drowns because he's lost hope. That's awful. Yeah, it's pretty. It's like, why would you do this? Luckily, he comes back in the end. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's funny. I gave this a three and a half right after we watched it, but I have no desire to ever watch this movie again. I probably wouldn't I didn't, either. I don't feel but like I really liked it that much. Yeah, I gave it three and a half, and I'll probably just keep singing the song. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never That's the best part. Song. So, yeah, anyways, this is something we, I guess we both had never we, yeah, seen. Yeah, so. I think if we had seen it as kids, we would be like, oh, Never Ending Story is awesome. Probably, yeah. Because it taught us about death and coping with grief. Definitely one of those. Yeah, super cool. <laughs> yeah. Giant dog you get to ride. <laughs> uh, so next up, it's time for Godzilla Corner with Harper and Michelle. Yeah. We watched a Godzilla and movie. Godzuki. <laughs> so we watched the 1992 film Godzilla versus Mothra. Not to be confused with Mothra versus Godzilla. Is that well. really one? Yeah, Mothra versus Why Godzilla. Like, get... like well, this has an movie. extended title, right? The Battle for Earth. <laughs> yeah, well, this is also, this is in the new, the second era, like everything's rebooted. So this is the first appearance of Mothra in the new yeah. continuity um, in the 90s. Uh, I, there are some things I really liked and things I wasn't crazy about in this one. Um, I think the monster fights are some of the best ones in this era of Godzilla movies. The visuals are really cool. I like the, how Mothra is all fuzzy and colorful looking. Mothra looks great. And there's a new monster, Batra, which is not, Batra. not a bat, which at first is sort of disappointing. You're like, oh, it's not a giant bat. But then you discover it's basically like he's basically like the goth evil version yeah. of mothra so or the <laughs> demonic version which is yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> so that works out um and there's a cool underwater battle which i don't feel like i'd seen yeah either before or not much for sure in earlier godzilla movies i was worried when we started watching this because i thought it was gonna be like an indiana jones ripoff the yeah whole the beginning time. definitely is <laughs> and i was like oh okay it's they like just wanted to make an indiana Raiders jones film. Yeah. yeah they do that a lot they try and like experiment with different like in yeah. a couple of the ones we've watched they did like a spy movie thing and yeah. sometimes they do like a that robot weird thing. yeah <laughs> so um but yeah there's a lot of fun stuff in this one um and i like i like that all these heisei era ones consistently use environmental themes that's always like a big thing in the godzilla movies but it loses a lot of impact in this one because it gets very muddled it's like the humans are destroying the earth, but the real problem is just caused by some meteor impact. Mm. And then at the very end of the movie, <laughs> there's another meteor 
suddenly coming towards Earth that Mothra has to go stop, and that's like the end of the movie. It's really weird. There's so many like save the planet messages too, and like corporations are bad. Yeah, but then like nothing. Which I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool yeah. with that. I mean, it's a Godzilla movie, but um, These corporations have been destroying the forest forever. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's got some. It's got some good good points and got some low points, but this one I give the same review I give every Godzilla movie. It seems like and it's bad. three and a half. Yeah, I would definitely yeah, watch same. it again uh, in another Godzilla marathon. It's uh. um, I don't know if this is my f- it's probably not my favorite of the Heisei era so far. I liked uh, Biolante was really cool. I liked that one a lot. Yeah, um, and the last one I watched with actually the one with King Ghidorah and all the robots from the future is just bonkers. That one was a lot of fun. So. Mm. But that's Godzilla vs. Mothra from 1992. So next we got a new film. What? Uh, Palm Springs 2020, directed by Max Barbarco. Barbarco? Barbarco? Barbarco. So this is basically Groundhog's Day, but funnier. (laughs) Arguably, yeah. Uh, And... Well, yeah. So I guess the... the (laughs) Here's the rundown is that it's Groundhog's Day, except somebody gets stuck in the time loop and discovers that somebody else has already been in that time loop for yeah. a long time. And they're going to get he's out been of the time weird. loop. Yeah. So um, I thought this is a pretty solid romantic comedy. Like a lot of uh, the first like two thirds of the movie are genuinely really funny. Yeah. And clever. I really liked it a lot. Like I like when they're like they basically they get, they're stuck in a loop at a wedding, like a destination wedding yeah. in Palm Springs. And then. So in one of the loops, they like do this crazy like pirate hostage thing. Oh yeah, play. with a bomb. Yeah, with a bomb and a cake. <laughs> and uh, I like that he's like, I can tell by your accent that you are from unknown yeah. origins. <laughs> <laughs> like there was, I, I generally thought the first like half of the movie, especially, was really pretty funny. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, it stars Andy Samberg. And I was Cindy a little Amber. Yeah, I was a little worried because I don't I go back and forth on him. He's okay. Like some stuff I think he's funny, and then other times I think he's really obnoxious. Well, I guess you can tell by this we're not Brooklyn Nine Nine fans. Yeah. Sorry, Nima. <laughs> um and who's who plays the woman? Kristen Moliotti. Yeah. Says she was in Wolf of Wall Street, but I don't remember her. Yeah, I'm trying there was something else I fig- I thought I had recognized. It's probably T V, but I'm not looking at it. But anyways. Um yeah, so uh, I thought it was pretty good. I like. I also liked that um, that she becomes like this. She becomes like a super genius scientist. Yeah. She uses the, the loop <laughs> to like study and become like a quantum physicist yeah. to figure out how to get out. Which that's a great way to do it, rather than just some like like love was the answer all along. Yeah, like, <laughs> like Groundhog's Day. Yeah, basically, you just had to fall in love. <laughs> uh, so I like. I thought that was clever and, and pretty cool. I also like the side stuff with J.K. Simmons, who is yes. also stuck in the loop. Yeah, and he's only in there because him and Andy were having a great night and at drunk. Yeah, at the wedding. He's like, I wish its day would never end. And, and like, he's like, oh, all right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he hunts him down every now and then. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um. Yeah, I like a lot of rom com. This is a, this is a, I guess I have this problem with the whole genre, unfortunately. And I wish, I wish yeah. somebody had found. Well, it's not like I don't like rom because I like the first two thirds of yeah. a lot of these. But the problem is that in almost all these movies, like Coming to America and Big and um, what was the other one? Oh, and a Groundhog's Day that they all in the last like 20 minutes, the comedy goes completely away and it becomes purely a romance movie and it's not nearly as interesting to me anymore. Yeah. 
Um, not because I don't like romance movies, but because it's like, it, it's a different movie. It sounds like you movie. don't like romance. Well, it's just a different movie at that point. If I was watching a romance movie the whole time, it would right, be fine. It's comedy, 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 romance. Yeah, so no, rom- I don't like rom-com. That. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's like, give and take. <laughs> I got, I was much less interested in the very end, but. Um, I'm other, just so glad we got to see a new movie. <laughs> yeah. It was really nice to watch a new movie. Like, and this right. is probably, a, it's funny because this is probably a movie we would not we have, have watched it, normally probably. in a normal year. But yeah, because this is like the only one at yeah. that time um so i actually really enjoyed it I, I give it a three and a half same so next up we watched the car oh man i'm <laughs> super excited to talk about this movie so the car came out in 1977 it's directed by elliot silverstein and basically there's an evil car uh terrorizing a utah community um and running people over and that's all you need to know. Yeah. A real evil car. That's it. Super evil. <laughs> uh, I was totally expecting this to be just like kind of a schlocky cult movie, like a like a poorly directed version of Duel. Yeah. But Duel. Uh, Duel. <laughs> um, but I was really pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, the like the dialogue is actually really sharp and genuine, and feel and like the characters feel pretty real which makes the stakes a lot higher. Like you actually care about these characters getting killed. It's not like a Friday the 13th movie where it's a bunch of annoying kids. Like yeah, these characters actually feel like real people. So the stakes feel a lot higher. Plus you got James Brolin running around. James Brolin is really cool. He's the main <laughs> character. Um, the car. I like the design of the car. It kind of looks like they just added a creepy bumper in like side parts on top of another car. Yeah. They made it like, <laughs> I can't remember what they, I read some stuff about it. They made it like extra low to the ground. And um, yeah. yeah, they definitely, I can't, the All guy the who designed it like was like a famous car tinty. designer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like that there's never really like an explanation of where the car came from necessarily. It's just like, just it's basically just a demon, people. like in the form of a car. Yeah. Um, there's some really cool camera work and editing, like, Oh my God! There's a scene where the car drives through a house to yeah. kill somebody, and a it's main super person, brutal. Yeah. And you're like, "What?" It's shocking. It's really cool. <laughs> I yeah. thought she was safe inside a house. Yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> um, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Uh, I would highly recommend it, and I have to say, it's a lot better than Duel. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And as far as like evil cars, I would put Duel, the car, and then Christine. Yeah. Agree. Like, we'll see what other evil cars movies we watch. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny is I can't even remember why, where I had heard about this movie, or maybe Dad had mentioned it at some point. But it is funny that there's a Futurama episode that this that is mm. definitely based on this. The car looks Bender turns into a wear car, and the car looks just like this one. So that's kind of <laughs> cool. But yeah, this movie I feel like it's not really talked about, and it's great. It was on Netflix too, right? It was, yeah. Um, so this is highly recommended from me. Um, uh, if you're into horror movies and suspense and stuff, I thought it was really, really great. Killer in inan- as far as killer inanimate object movies go, this is definitely yeah. high up the list. Um, what about you? Um, I gave it a three and a half, but I'd probably bump it up more. I think there's this scene that's kind of corny, so I was like, Ugh. "Are you talking about the cemetery?" Yeah, I don't know why you didn't like that. I liked that. She's part. like taunting the car, and all her like taunts are just so like elementary school. <laughs> I, I, I guess it's 1970s like taunts. I don't know, um, but yeah, I think it's good. Uh, yeah, I gave it a four. So next up on our list. 
This is a little special movie because we, so way back in a few episodes before, I don't remember when, uh, we did a poll, me and Michelle debated which movie we should make the other one watch. And Michelle won that poll. Yes, because I'm amazing. And The Fugitive was great. We watched The Fugitive and it was great. <laughs> and finally, we got around to watching the movie that I uh, argued for, and that is Hitchcock's Shadow of a Doubt from 1943. Early Hitchcock. Yeah. So, so I'm going to let you talk first. What did Ugh. you think about it? Well, what? This <laughs> is, I kidding. wanted you to watch the movie, so I want to know what you think about it. I thought it was great. The end. <laughs> Come on now. What did you like about it? I don't know. I like the story and the twists and stuff. The story and twists stuff. and stuff. I thought uh, the whole setup was really interesting. You kind of get. What is the movie about? We didn't say yet. Uh, so this guy is a suspect in a, I guess, serial, serial murder cases. Yeah. What do they call the person? The widow? Uh, yeah. He's like the, the, the Mary, Mary widow killer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he basically starts running from the cops because they're on to him, but there's another suspect they're also chasing. And so he goes to visit his relatives um, and he has a special relationship with his niece because they're named after each other. And she kind of feels like she knows him the best. Yeah, they almost have like a telepathic, like yeah. it's implied that there's like a weird psychic connection yeah. between the two of them. And so it kind of starts like the cops come and follow him and then they talk to the niece and kind of convince her that she needs to start looking out for anything weird. And so she has to start really like, do I know this person as well as I think I do? Could he have done this? And then all these other little clues start popping up. Mm -hmm. um, and then he goes crazy and tries to kill everybody. <laughs> yeah. He basically is trying or tries to, to kill her, her because she she's the only one on. who yeah. knows the truth. Um, yeah. I think this movie it's incredible. This movie came out in 1943. It's like, it's, yeah, it's pretty modern. almost 80 years old and it feels, it's still really shocking and really exciting. Um, I think it's, uh, to me, this is like on the same level of blue velvet in terms of showing like a dark underbelly of American, of the American yeah, suburb. It's very dark. Um, really great performances all around. Uh, I really like the idea that basically, um, the two women, the mom and, uh, and Charlie, the niece, are the two only two that really sense that something is going wrong. Yeah, like they're the ones that f see that he's trying to that that he's uh, maybe the killer. Where all the men are like obsessed with crime stories yeah. and don't see it at all. They, and they're he's like, right how would you kill nose. me? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I really love this movie. This is definitely in my top five Hitchcock. Like if he, if he had if Hitchcock had not made like Vertigo and Psycho and the Birds. You know, yeah, I was trying to think, like, have I seen a Hitchcock film that I didn't really like? Yeah, there's only been a few that I think are kind of dull. but Notorious, I guess. We talked about that last yeah, like month or to the month Topaz before. is not, or not Topaz, but uh, Torn Curtain is not super great. But and 39 Steps is all right. It was okay. Um, but yeah, this is my favorite, for sure my favorite of his early movies. Yeah. Um, and, his, and probably his black and white movies is probably my favorite, too. That, oh, Hitchcock. I mean, Hitchcock. Psycho is probably my favorite black one, but um, yeah. Anyways, I really I like this movie a lot. Me too. I gave it a four and a half. Me too. Awesome. We are the same. Glad you liked it. Did you like it better than The Fugitive? <laughs> no comment. Ouch. <laughs> They're yeah, two ouch. different movies. Yeah. Um. So next up, we finally watched a movie. <laughs> All right, let's take yeah. let's take a sharp left turn. 
uh, that I haven't seen since a kid and I didn't like it as a kid. But that's Galaxy Quest, which came out in 1999, directed by Dean Parasat. What else has he done? I have no idea. Hmm. Um, so basically, it's like the stars of a 1980 sci-fi show, a.k.a. Star Trek, uh, get taken through a real life uh, adventure in space but they don't really realize it's real like aliens come down and take them from their convention and yeah oh, <laughs> my Michelle, brain's not working Ms. anymore Jim Parasad <laughs> is the director of 1998's Home Fries what is that? starring Drew Barrymore <laughs> and Luke Wilson weird it looks very 90s yeah um, but yeah sorry uh yeah, I well, the first time I saw this, I didn't know anything about Star Trek at all. I was like a Star Wars kid. Uh, and I saw this in theaters the day I got my braces on. So, oh, yeah, you're <laughs> upset forever. Yeah, so I had a liter- quite literally a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> also, the cast in this is crazy. So, you have Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, uh, Tony Shalab, Shalab, Shalub, Shalub. Uh, and what's his name? Justin Long and oh, yeah. uh, Dwight as <laughs> a very small character. Yeah, so, Dwight yeah. is like not even a speaking role, aka why we say Dwight, uh, yeah. Rain Wilson. I thought I was going to hate this just because I didn't like it as a kid. I'm like, it's not going to be and funny. Yet, it's going to be Michelle dumb. Anyways. Yeah. Well, I got to give movies a chance. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was great. I really liked it. I thought it was really funny. And if you're a sci-fi nerd, all the jokes make sense now. <laughs> it's a very, very satisfying parody and homage to Star yeah. Trek. To 60s sci-fi, especially. Yeah. Um, I wish I would like this movie a lot more if they if the depiction of like the nerds at the convention wasn't so like gross and humiliating. <laughs> like there's no redemption to that at all. It's a little close, though, <laughs> sometimes. It's just, Those are, like, the worst people of the conventions we go to. Well, like, they didn't show any of the normal people. Well, even just Justin go. Long, who's, like, the featured nerd. <laughs> yeah. Even he's like, oh, he lives with his parents, and he's such a dweeb. Like, well, I thought that's just because he was young, not because he's, like, a loser. <laughs> but, yeah, it, that, it, that bugged me a little bit. But uh, otherwise, it's super, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and the performances are really fun. Alan Rickman, especially, is really great. Yeah. His voice is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I also really like Sam Rockwell. Like, Yeah, he's really funny. He's the guy, he basically, he was like a he guest. He worms his way into it. Yeah, he was like a guest on one episode of the show, like back when yeah. the show was and on. Yeah, he died. Yeah, and he died. He was a red shirt. And then he worms his way into like getting in with them on the convention circuit. And so then he gets drug along on this actual dangerous adventure and, and is constantly worried out. that he's yeah. going to die <laughs> as a red shirt, basically. It was pretty funny. So um, I would recommend it. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's it's, it's free. Watch. I don't know that I'd want to like own this movie, but it was fun Probably to not. watch. Um, and it was free. It's free on well, not free, but it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, I gave it a three and a half. I have four. Damn, Michelle. I laughed a lot. I don't remember what parts, but I remember looking at you, and you're like, "You think it's funny?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> All right, next up is the part of the month where we decide we wanted to watch some long movies for some yeah. reason. Um, <laughs> so we watched Quiet On from 1964, directed by Masaki Kobayashi, um, which is basically a anthology of Japanese ghost stories, of mm-hmm. four Japanese ghost stories. Um, so I, um, well, first of all, I'm a little upset that we apparently, we watched version that was 163 minutes and that's apparently the short version of the movie 
that apparently there was we have the Criterion DVD and apparently actually we watched it on I do have the DVD but we watched it on HBO Max maybe I think so yeah but yeah they have like the original version which is like not the uncut version or whatever but anyways um I think there's some really cool stuff uh, the stories are a little uneven some are better than others yeah. for sure um, there's four segments yeah there's four segments there's uh the first one is with the What's the first one? Hair? Is that the second one? Yeah. Basically, the guy leaves his wife and then comes back and she's a ghost, I think. Yeah. And her hair. He leaves her because they're poor and he wants to go marry somebody yeah, rich. Yeah, he marries a rich one, but she's <laughs> awful. And eventually, he leaves her and goes back. Because he realizes he was truly happy with her. But too late, buddy. You had your chance. Basically. Uh, Get and out of here. <laughs> the second one is about uh, like a man who survives this like evil ice ghost witch woman only she's only because she says never tell anyone about me yeah and he doesn't and he marries this woman and then <gasps> she's he tells her but it turns out his wife is the evil ice witch woman yes. which um, again buddy you could have just kept, kept your, your mouth, mouth shut, shut. <laughs> um and then the third one is the super long one about it's like a a blind guy who uh he's like a bard he tells stories and plays an instrument i thought that was the last one Mm -mm. the last one was the guy who has like the three ghosts like messengers that come and fight him the cut in in the tea it was the guy in the teacup oh i didn't like that one (laughs) as you could tell (laughs) third one is uh yeah blind bard who goes and he's telling the story of this this big uh naval battle that happened in japanese history um and then it turns out that he's telling the story to the ghosts. And they're trying to take him. Yeah. And there's a really, them. really cool way that he has to get rid of the ghosts and how it doesn't quite work out the way they want it to. That one and the second segment were probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. I had a problem with the third one because it kind of dragged in the beginning, but once it started going, I was like, okay, I'm in well, this. Well, there's a long section where it's the song t- talking yeah. about the, the battle. I feel like that should have been interspliced more with him. Rather than just all it. up front. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could agree with that. Um, the movie's really slow, but that does add to like the ghostly tension yeah. of the movie. Like it feels very kind of, um, uh, I don't know, ghostly and atmospheric, I guess. Yeah. The only thing I can use to describe it. But um, it probably still could have been tightened up a lot because the stories are really simple. Yeah. Like, I mean, we literally just described the movie in five minutes. And yeah. It's a th- <laughs> almost three hour movie. But, um, uh, I do. It bothered me a little bit as a sound designer that the sound is like super, super minimal, like mm-hmm. extreme. Like there's hardly any backgrounds or anything. Uh, so my in part of my review, I said some wind and rustling leaves would have gone <laughs> a long way. <laughs> but um, the movie is super gorgeous. Like almost you could pause it at any moment and it looks like some kind of painting. Yeah. Um, the production design is really beautiful like it's all on sets but like the backgrounds are like these crazy painted matte paintings of the skies really cool yeah all the sets are really really cool looking um and there's a bunch of like water stuff in the third one yeah well like it all takes place almost all of these stories take place outdoors but it's all very clearly on a set but it's all very like theatrically designed and really cool looking uh lots of cool fog and yeah um, yeah, the third story alone, I almost wish that was just the movie, and like I, I would watch that one on its own. The only problem is I still don't understand why. I feel like each of these is supposed to have a moral, and I don't understand that one really. 
Because like the blind guy didn't do anything wrong before really to deserve it. Yeah, but the only in any of the four stories, the only person that does anything wrong is the first one, the guy that leaves his wife. And the sec- second one, the guy just tells his wife about yeah, a but weird he thing still, that happened to like, him. like brought it upon himself. This guy didn't do anything. I guess, yeah. Well, nothing. Well, I, I was going to say nothing bad happens to him, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I last one, he just drinks a cup of tea. <laughs> um, um, but I did like the, th- yeah, I think the third one's the strongest and it looks, it's also, I wouldn't say gory because it's not very bloody, but there is a part where it, like you just see these little ears like floating around and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, third one's especially interesting. That's where the poster comes from too. The guy with all the like writing on his face. Um, yeah, it's a pretty cool movie. It's a movie I've we've owned the DVD for years and years just because I always thought it looked interesting and I just had never got around to watching it. Um, so I'm glad we finally did. Uh, and maybe maybe one day, a couple years down the road, maybe we'll watch that full cut the extent like. <laughs> The original version of we'll it or whatever. See. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but I yeah, it, it was quite on. What did you give it? Uh, I gave it four stars. because it, 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 The cinematography makes it worth it. The cinematography and production design definitely makes yeah, it worth watching. It's watch. very pretty. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty movie. <laughs> All right. So next up, we watch Casino, which is a 1995 Scorsese movie. <laughs> the Scorsese? Scorsese is all. <laughs> So basically, it's Goodfellas, but in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's what Not it's right. about. <laughs> That's what I always thought, but it, it doesn't really. It kind of is, though. It's just like mobsters uh, trying to take over, like get their piece of the pie in Las Vegas, except for Robert De Niro's character, who's kind of try to play it straight, I guess. Um, yeah. But his downfall is his marriage to Sharon Stone. And friendship to Joe Pesci. Yeah. It's like... As usual, the like wild mobster who doesn't play by the rules. Yeah, <laughs> but I, yeah, I did like that. This to me, this is kind of a twist on Goodfellas. In that, in Goodfellas, it's like all of my life I wanted to be a gangster, and it turns yeah. out being a gangster is scary, basically, kind yeah. of. Uh, and Casino is like uh, I want to get out of that life and start and run a legit business. Only he's to find good that, at it. Yeah, only to <laughs> find that running a legit business and dealing with local government is just as corrupt and dangerous yeah. as being a mobster. So <laughs> essentially. yeah. So that's like, I think it's enjoyable. It's just too long. Like we kind of oh felt God, said so, the same so about Irishmen. <laughs> Irishman. The Irishman. Irishman's. Because <laughs> um, it's it's three hours, I think. Longer? No, yeah. it's three. Uh, but the cast and crew is great. And there's some really, would we say this has probably the best split diopter we have ever seen yeah i can't even remember when it was but there was one where it's like the it's lined up so perfectly with the set that you you wouldn't really ever be able to tell unless yeah. you're really paying attention so but i it's think very like cool. the camera work is really good it's uh awesome it, to see it had one really hilarious scene that i'll i definitely will always remember where the plane crashed in the middle of like the golf course is oh, because yeah. the <laughs> fbi had been tailing joe pesci for so long that yeah. they ran out of gas <laughs> that was pretty funny um yeah the last half hour is or not even more it may be more than that uh just the last part of the movie is really boring though because it's just a constant loop of like yeah it gets really repetitive. sharon stone breaking down and running away and then coming back and then going to joe pesci and then running away and then coming yeah. back yeah so it's just kind of dull 
Um, but yeah, I, I read in the trivia, this is what Martin Scorsese says about this movie. There's no plot at all. It's three hours, but no plot. So you know this going in. There's a lot of action, a lot of story, but no plot. <laughs> and I 100% agree with that. This yeah. movie has no plot at all, <laughs> which does make it kind of a drag Yeah. in some ways. But it's, pre- I mean, it's pretty good. It's, not, it's definitely not my favorite Scorsese movie, but... Not his worst. <laughs> no. I gave it three. Oh my God. What was that other one that we hated? Silence? Oh, Silence was terrible. That was so long. It's so boring. This is better than Silence. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. I would probably I'm... watch this over Irishman, too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. This is at least a little... It's got more colors <laughs> to look... Pretty lights to look at. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh, the costumes are crazy. We didn't yeah. talk about that. Yeah, all the characters <laughs> had like a million different Robert outfits. De Niro has like a hundred pastel suits. suits yeah. <laughs> and Sharon Stone has like every single outfit is different. <laughs> yeah. It's and I think crazy. they got to keep them, right? Yeah. It was something in the trivia. They, it was like 70 outfits for Robert yeah. De Niro. He got to keep them all. So yeah. I don't know if it's entirely worth seeing. I think maybe once on a slow Sunday. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I give it three and a half. Agreed. Um, next up, we have an- another new movie. From 2020. Yeah. Uh, that one is The Beach House, which is on Shudder. Um, came out this year. I mean, th- this was like the the first actual release. I think it probably had some festival stuff last year, but um, directed by Jeffrey A. Brown. And basically just about these two, like a guy and a girl who uh, they're like college sweethearts and they run away to uh, the guy's family cabin only to find that the beach house or beach house cabin. not a cabin yeah it's um, called the beach yeah sorry <laughs> it's not all called right. the cabin house <laughs> okay all right they run away to the, the, his family beach house but then they find that um some family friends are already staying there and uh things just kind of seem weird around the area where the beach house is happening and then it turns out that basically there's been like this uh what's the word um what's the word in deep impact extinction level event happening yeah uh where like i don't are they creatures from the sea or are they aliens that landed in the sea i don't i'm not sure i think it's supposed to be something from very long ago and that is uncovered in the sea and then starts taking over yeah and basically it starts like driving people crazy it's very like last of us style kind of like it makes people either go nuts or kill themselves or yeah so and they're basically just trying to uh avoid getting infected um, it was okay. Okay, so the guy is awful. The boyfriend, he's so annoying. Yeah. I hate him. Um, the girl is fine, but there's no like satisfying ending with all her no, knowledge that really she has. Bad. Um, yeah, she's like a um marine biologist, right? Some kind of biology major specializing in exactly what's yeah. happening. So you think like, oh, this is going to come into play at some point. And like, it's no, it really doesn't. the only reason that exists is so she can talk about stuff yeah. like this before it actually happens. So Which it doesn't is come out of nowhere. a little like, okay, I think you could have done it better. <laughs> yeah. But the only, so like, I thought it was really boring, except that the effects are really good. The creature effects are really fantastic, especially there's one scene where she has to pull like a tentacle worm thing out <laughs> yeah. of her foot and it's very hard to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's really well done. 
It's the only good thing going for this movie. Yeah, I think. creatures are pretty cool. But yeah, especially like the second half of the movie is just them wandering around in the fog forever. He Nothing was actually so happens. annoying. Also, he's not even a good boyfriend. Like they set it up that he like disappeared and this is their chance to like reconnect. And then he just he like, dropped out of college. Yeah. And, and never, never explains anything. It's yeah. like, don't risk your life for this bozo. Like go save yourself. <laughs> like it's so nice frustrating. <laughs> So I'm assuming a man wrote this film. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> it's like, come on, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's not not great, unfortunately. Um, I gave it a three star, and that's mostly for the effects. Obviously. I gave it two and a half, and that's only for the effects. <laughs> yeah, I was I was probably too generous. Yeah. Um, Luckily, it's really really short. <laughs> yeah, it's like eight to nine minutes or something. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, we were just like, I was trying. I wanted to watch some stuff on Shutter because I hadn't in a while, and I was like, oh, this is a new movie. Maybe yeah. this will be okay. But <laughs> nah. Um, next up is one I watched on my own, and that is Ganja and Hess from 1973, um, directed by Bill Gunn, who is also in the movie, and starring Dwayne Jones from uh, Night of the Living Dead. This is pretty cool. I, I actually had kind of forgotten about that, that he was in this. He's the main character. Um, so I only really know the poster of this movie. Yeah, I'd seen... so. A year or maybe two years ago, whenever it was when Horror Noir came out, that documentary about uh, black horror that Shudder uh, put out, that's really great. Um, they talk a lot about this movie because it is like, it's really, well, I'll, I'll get to it in a minute, but the movie is basically about um, this guy. He's a anthropologist, I think. And he gets, while, while he's studying stuff, his assistant kind of goes crazy and stabs him with this ancient, blade that is also maybe like infected with some ancient disease. Yeah. Um, and the doctor finds himself basically craving blood. He basically becomes a vampire, but they play being a vampire as like an addiction and an addiction that's, uh, that you're a victim to. It's like an addiction. Mm -hmm. So it's very much in a lot of ways you could look at it as like an allegory for like drug addiction in the black community and how it's treated as, a, a, a monster rather than as a, a health problem. problem. Yeah. Um, but it's also just super interesting because it's a movie directed and written by a black man. It's, it was intended to be a black exploitation movie. They hired Bill Gunn to make this black exploitation movie, and instead they got this super experimental <laughs> vampire movie. That's just it's really out there. The way it's put together is really. Uh, I guess that's my only problem with it is it's kind it's kind of hard to follow because yeah. the narrative is real all over the place. I think I was working when you were watching this and I yeah. was just like, what is happening is like, out there? Yeah. There's a lot of weird sound design with like African chants that are yeah, all delayed. Yeah, it's like, like, is he watching like a documentary? And then just people like, like screaming. <laughs> Voodoo or something? Yeah. Um, but I love that it's a movie that basically stars almost only black people and they're, it, they're not... Like, especially in the 70s, especially for like black exploitation movies, you expect it to be like, oh, they're a bunch of like poor people or gangsters yeah. or pimps or whatever. But in this, he's like this super rich doctor, like mm -hmm. famous anthropologist, and he falls in love and turns this woman into a vampire who is also like very rich and like uh, classy and stuff. You know, it's just they're the kind of characters that you didn't expect to be portrayed, particularly in 1973. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really cool. Yeah, very subversive in that way for sure. Um, but it's it's pretty wild. It's really interesting and definitely a 
really important part of African-American horror movie history. Um, and so Was I, this in that documentary you watched? Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, I missed that I part. I talked about that a lot. <laughs> um, I was eating grapes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a pretty interesting movie. There's a lot of different ways you can interpret it. There's a lot of stuff about religion that too. Um, yeah, I think we should watch it together sometime because I definitely would like to watch it again. Um, cause I, I, de- I wasn't expecting it to be quite so experimental either. So I mean, it was in the best mindset for it, but it's pretty interesting. Um, so I gave it a four star, a four out of five stars. Cool. Next up, we watched The Descent, oh, uh, man. which came out in 2005, directed by Neil Marshall. And so this is a group of six friends, uh, reunite for a caving expedition after a very traumatic, uh, uh, past experience. Yes. Um, and they find themselves being pursued by bloodthirsty creatures in the dark <laughs> in a cave. This movie rules. <laughs> yeah. Movie I really rules. love this movie. <laughs> you what? get six badass women just doing their thing. <laughs> yeah. Exploring unknown cave systems, fighting bad guys. <laughs> this movie. Almost is the cast is ninety nine percent female. Like the only men, even the a, monsters are mostly female. Yeah, as a mix of male and female monsters, but there's only one man in the entire movie, and he's only in the first like five and minutes he's of the movie. A jerk. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a genuinely fantastic horror movie. Really well made. The set design is awesome because it all feels very real, and all the cave cinematography is really cool. The yeah. monsters are cool. Great sound design, cool music. I love everything about this movie. It's a it's a near perfect horror movie for me. Super gross too. Yeah, and in particular the uh, uh, director's cut or uncut version or whatever that that's on the Blu-ray is uh, is definitely better. The I love the ending of this version. I'm trying to remember what the theatrical version is. She just drives away at the end. I think maybe there is the same the scare. Yeah, the truck like is the still jump there. scare uh, in the end, but I don't think she wakes up back in the cave. Mm. It's a optimistic ending. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> and that's apparently the quote unquote real ending because there is a really terrible sequel to this where she is survives and has to go back into the caves <laughs> with like the police. Um, I yeah. think this is also one of those like rare horror movies where it's a simple enough concept, but because of the relationship between all the characters, you get like a lot more depth to it. So they're like dealing with regret and loss and grief and secrets. And it's all from like a woman's perspective. Yep. So it's very refreshing for a 2005 film (laughs) directed by a man. (laughs) Yeah. And I've, it's, it's frustrating because I've been waiting for Neil Marshall to do something as incredible as this since 2005. And he still hasn't. Yeah. We never watched that Hellboy movie. I still haven't seen, oh God, I forgot about that. We didn't watch his Hellboy, but the reviews were so bad. Yeah. I still, and to be honest, I still haven't seen Centurion or Doomsday, but both of them do not look great to me either. I think the only thing he's done up to par with this has been the two big Game of Thrones episodes he did. Yeah. Um, Apparently has a movie coming out this year called the reckoning or did it already oh, really? come out what is it i don't know huh. uh in the aftermath of a great plague amidst the subsequent witch hunts oh witch stuff which is huh that sounds cool i was like witch hunts like what does that mean yeah <laughs> like, at some point i need to do like a deep dive into his stuff because i think really i've only seen this and um dog soldiers and uh and the game of thrones stuff yeah um, but this is such a masterpiece. So uh, yeah, this is definitely worth watching. 
multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> um, current we watch we watched it on Blu-ray, but it is on Tubi for free right now. Mm. See if you don't mind watching it with some ads. That's yeah. a, that's a way to do it. I think the only thing that doesn't hold up as well is that they have like their little personal video camera. And it has like night vision on it. Well, but like every early 2000s horror movie had to have like a night vision sequence. Yeah, if somehow everybody <laughs> who bought like a $200 yeah. camcorder from Best Buy or Circuit City, it had a night vision setting, which is impossible. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it works. It's very Silence of the Lambs esque. Yeah. So I, yeah, highly recommend yeah. watching this. I mean, that's a five for me for sure. Yeah. Um, what's next? Another horror we movie. We continued in the horror stuff. So we watched Sinister, which came out in 2012, and mm-hmm. it stars Ethan Hawke, directed by Scott Derrickson, um, who did Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange and The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and apparently a Hellraiser that. movie. I saw it... A long time ago. Is that the one with uh, Jennifer Carpenter? Yeah, and she does like all her creepy own stunts and stuff. Um, But anyway, uh, Sinister. So basically this true crime writer moves in, or he's starting a new case. He's kind of like flailing, I guess, in his career because he had a very early success, kind of like in cold blood, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, against the police department. And then this sort of this family gets brutally murdered, but there's a missing girl. They don't know where she went and he moves into the house to try to write his next bestseller with his family. And then he finds this creepy box that has like an old film projector and movies from the killer, uh, or monster or whatever. Um, that has kind of like showing him that this has happened other times in the past. And, one of the kids always goes missing. Yeah. So he thinks he's, he's on to like something amazing, but at what cost? <laughs> yeah. This is, this movie is like part of like the Renaissance of this kind of movie that happened in like the to like early 2010s, yeah. like uh, creepy haunted house with a gazillion jump, cheap jump scares yeah. and, and creepy uh, people moving a la Japanese horror movies. <laughs> Um, what was the other one we watched um, not that long ago uh, with Patrick? Uh, oh, my God. Patrick who? You know what I'm talking about. They moved in a house, and it turned out it wasn't the house that was haunted. It was the child that was haunted. I don't remember. Oh, my God. You're killing me. It wasn't, <laughs> well, we, you don't remember either. We talked about it on the podcast. Uh, Patrick Wilson is in it. Oh, my God. Like the me, Conjuring movies? No. <laughs> Give me like two seconds. <laughs> You can't be mad. You don't remember. Yeah, but you should remember. <laughs> um, Insidious. Apparently, I don't remember Insidious. Oh, my God. All right. Well, that's because it's basically the same movie as this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that subgenre. There's, there are like a million of these movies. There still are a lot of these movies coming out. Yeah, the one of the things I hate about, too, is that it. I think it's playing off like the American Horror Story where they're trying to make old things cool. So, like, with the old projector and stuff. And that's the only part of that, this movie, that I did like. I thought this I'm fine the with it, but I didn't like... Very creepy. Uh, 
Well, also, this movie is visually dark, and I hated it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was like, just turn on the hallway light if you're about to go up in the attic and kill a monster. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> so they definitely go. I think there's more style than substance for this. And it sucks because I really like Ethan Hawke. Yeah, he's fine, I guess. And also, like, the ending, it's not satisfying because no, it's, it's really building and building and building. And then, like, oh, out of left field, like, oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Like, where? why wouldn't they, like, spend some time to develop that more? Yeah, I agree. I think there's some, some decent sound design. And I like the music that they use that's, like, um, I think it's a Boards of Canada song. Mm. Um, that's kind of goes with, like, the sounds of the projector. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um but yeah, it's not not great. It's just this is not my kind of horror movie at all. I'm not into this this style of like haunted house stuff. It just yeah. doesn't work. Doesn't do much for me. Yeah. So um, three stars. Three for me as well. I would probably say you could skip it. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> What's next? Annabelle two, three, and four. Yeah. No, <laughs> Uh, so next we watched Killing Them Softly, which also came out in 2012 and was another film we missed. Um, so this was directed by Andrew Dominic and the cast is crazy. Stars Brad Pitt, Scoot McNary, Scoot, Scoot, Scoot. (laughs) Ben Mendelsohn, James Gandolfini, Ray Liotta, Richard Jenkins, basically a bunch of dudes, Mm -hmm. sausage fest. Dude, dude, dude stuff. (laughs) I think there was one sex worker. She's probably the only female in the entire thing. <laughs> uh, I think you might be right. Yep. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um, so I don't really know how, what I feel after we watch well, this. Because I don't even know what it's about. Yeah, the movie is basically, <laughs> it's about like these guys that rob a poker game because it's complicated, but because they basically think they can get away with it, but event they don't. And a contract killer, Brad Pitt, is hired to take them out um, because of that. And But the key to the movie, that's just like the general plot of what the characters are doing, but it's taking place during... The 2008 economic collapse. Yes, and that's like... A con- there's constant reminders. We're that in a financial crisis. <laughs> Everybody is always listening to the radio or watching TV. And there's a lot of like, yeah, who knew gangsters like listen to NPR all the time. <laughs> right. There's a lot of like Obama uh, running for office and campaigning. And, uh, and I think at the very end of the movie, he, he had just gotten elected. Right. And that's, I think so. Yeah. What's happening. He's giving his, uh, and Brad Pitt is like, speech. I bet he'll say like, we're a community. <laughs> and then he does. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, so the actual like contract killer stuff is it's okay. It's kind of, it's pretty dull. I think maybe that's, it's because that's not really the point. Yeah. I mean, the point is it's all about uh, like American capitalism and how it's funny how like even the economic crisis, the c- comedy, rough too. yeah, exactly. The comedy <laughs> of the movie is how it affects like these gangsters too. Yeah. Um, it's like you'll fly coach right (laughs) they're constantly arguing over rates and stuff yeah uh the movie is okay but i will say the last the very last scene that's like five or ten minutes long where they're they're in a bar and brad pitt's just trying to get paid for having knocked off scoot mcnary (laughs) um scoot (laughs) uh and they're watching on TV. Everybody outside is celebrating there's like confetti everywhere and they're watching uh, obama give his uh his speech and um it's just fantastic. Mm. Like that last scene is so good to me. And the last line that Brad Pitt says, America isn't a country. America is a business. Now pay me. <laughs> <laughs> it is awesome. Yeah. 
Like if it wasn't for the last scene, this I wouldn't have liked this movie very much. But the last scene is really fantastic. Yeah, I don't really know what it's about, but yeah. Well, tell, <laughs> tell us about that one letterbox review that was funny. Well, it was just kept saying like. So the oh it's James Gandolfi oh we're in a financial crisis oh look it's Scooby Neri we're in a financial crisis <laughs> where's Brad Pitt going we're in a financial crisis <laughs> yeah very uh, true yeah and I don't know like like oh he did assassination of Jesse James the director oh did he really yeah interesting so I guess it's kind of similar to that. but yeah I just don't know what to take away from it other than they're in a financial crisis. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, it's I, interesting. I, I think it's based on a book, and I'll bet the book is, I don't know, I feel like I'd like the book probably. better. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the cast is good. I think Brad Pitt phones it in a little bit, but, <laughs> and James Gandolfini, maybe. <laughs> James Gandolfini. Gandolfini. I think this might have been James Gandolfini's last movie. Mm, maybe, I don't know. Um, so anyways. I gave it three and a half. I did too. It's on Netflix if you want to hear about the 2008 financial crisis. It has great like uh, poster design and text usage. True. <laughs> Font choice. <laughs> All right. Uh, so next up. Impedagor. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm guessing Impedagor. Um, this is an Indonesian horror movie that came out. I think it came out... Uh, festivals last year but i'm counting for this year because this is when it released here in the u.s on shutter um directed by what's the guy's name joko anwar who also did uh satan slaves last year the year before which is another really good indonesian horror movie um but basically this woman uh gets attacked and here and the guy that attacks her says some weird stuff about her family that she's she's uh or well not orphan she lives with her aunt but she doesn't know anything about her past. Right. Like she doesn't know where she's born or what happened to her parents. Um, and the guy who attacks her says some weird stuff about it. And he's like a cultist or something, it seems like. And she decides her and her friend are going to go back to this village that the attacker mentioned because she wants to figure out if she has an inheritance from her dead parents because she's super poor and her and her friend are struggling to run this little business. Um, and then they get to the village and it's really strange and they find out that there's this weird thing happening where a curse, a curse where all the kids are born without, without skin. skin. <laughs> um, and the village is hyper-focused on her uh, thinking she's the cause of the curse. Yeah. They blame the, her as a her kid. And her parents essentially as causing the curse. Um, Which they kind of did. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. So, I think uh, stuff I liked about this movie, I think the location and the cinematography are really good. Yeah, it's great. It looks gorgeous. Um, and there's some really good creepy scares. Yes. Uh, there's like these weird little girls that kind of pop up in the background yeah. a lot. Um, the When you kind of find out what's going on when the twists happen and you sort of finally understand what's happening, the twists... It's kind of weird. They all happen like one after another in the series of flashbacks. Yeah. It's kind of almost funny how they mm. happen because it's like she freaks out. I'm turn does she like drink something weird or why does she start suddenly start having the flashbacks? Do the ghosts? The little ghost children possess her. Oh, that's right. Okay. So yeah, she has like a flashback and then she comes out of it. And she's like, Ugh, and then she goes right back <laughs> yeah. in. Another. It happens like four times right in a row. It's kind of weird. Um, <coughs> sorry. 
Um, but basically she figures out what's going on and there's a lot, there's a big twist as to what actually happened and that whether she's the cause of it or not. Yeah. Um, and has to figure out how to escape. Yeah. Um, so I thought it's pretty good. Um, I mean, it's, it's a new movie again, which is exciting to see something new from this year regardless, but, um, it's certainly a lot better than beach house. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is like light years better. (laughs) I liked it a lot. I thought the two, uh, main women, the best friends were great. I just yeah. really liked their dialogue back and forth. It was super genuine, and I felt like they were really best friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, and the main woman, let me see, is it? Yeah, Tara Basro. She's also the main character of Satan's Slaves. Um, yeah, she's really good in that too. And they're also really smart in like how they approach the whole thing. Because like, we can't just come out and say like, I need, I'm blah blah blah. Like they build up a backstory about it and like how their students researching puppet stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's weird like shadow puppet. Yeah. I guess that sounds weird. Like too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was great. And except for the very last scene, yeah, <laughs> I'm really mad. They did that. A lot of horror movies make that mistake. Yeah. Like this, they finish they the like story. They want there to be a chance for a sequel or something. Not even I that. I think it's just like, all horror movies, there's like this dumb rule that you yeah. have to end the movie with like, a scare. <gasps> the and evil is still there. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a dumb like twist shock ending thing. Yeah. That, yeah, I agree. I don't really like the ending either. And there's a lot of gory parts too. How did yeah. you feel about the skinless people? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, they're mostly babies. Well, so there's one man who's skinless. Yeah, the babies just look like they're covered in blood. I didn't really get that yeah. they're supposed to be skinless until So you until see later. the guy, it's like, oh, yeah. he's skinless. <laughs> uh, yeah, they look but, like Heidi Klum. <laughs> but no, the gore makeup and stuff is pretty good in this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. I wonder what impetigore means. I don't know. <laughs> but I also like all the ladies in the film, or the, well, minus one, is are all the good people kind of like the uh the villager who helps her kind of get away and stuff men are evil true and really really old ladies also old women yeah yeah um yeah it's pretty good i gave it a three and a half i get four nice yeah we should watch satan slaves sometime it's it's pretty good i like i might have liked that better than this actually Um, uh so next up is first cow Another new film because we are desperate for new material. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this came or is directed by Kelly Richard, which I have never seen any of her other films. Oh, me neither. But she directed Certain Women and Meek's Cut Off, Wendy and Lucy, um, which I've all I've heard of them, just never watched it. I think she's like a quiet filmmaker. Like all of her films Mumble- are kind of subtle, mumblecore, kind of yeah. Um, Anyway, First Cal is about a loner and a cook who travel west during... Frontier days. Yeah, Frontier, Oregon Trail. Um, uh, He meets up with a Chinese immigrant who is also seeking sort of like how to make... How to make money and live out there, I guess, because there's not really a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are not going to go gold digging. Uh... And one of the people in the town they live in uh, gets a cow. So it's the first cow like in Oregon. And they decide to start stealing milk to make pastries and make a living. Yeah. So they're stealing milk from this this rich guy basically to sell pastries back to that same rich guy. (laughs) Um, And trying not to get caught. Um, Yeah. I like, I like, 
I mean, it's funny. It seems like a lot of movies we watched lately are, are about capitalism. Critiques on <laughs> capitalism. Yeah, this one in particular about like early American capitalism and how basically the drive to make money drives people to become thieves and yeah. murderers. Like that's the only thing and they you ever think yourself about. It's not wrong. Right. And they just like that's all they think about is how to make money. Yeah. Um, I like the way that it's shot. It's a square square ratio movie. As all a twenty four movies are. <laughs> yeah, it seems a common theme. <laughs> I was hoping for more cow. There's only yeah, a few the cow's cow not scenes. really that yeah. important. I mean, it's important to the plot as a plot device, but yeah, it's not really yeah. in the movie very much. Um, I feel, yeah, my big problem with this is that I actually I didn't get the ending at first. Michelle had to explain it to me a little bit, but um, I get it, but it's also not a very satisfying ending. It just sort of ends. Yeah, it it's is one abrupt. of those. I, like I do, I don't usually have problems with. Uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, oh my God, what's wrong? Ambiguous endings. I don't have a problem with ambiguous endings generally, but this is definitely one of those movies where when the credits rolled, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there's not really a conclusion, which leads me to believe there's going to be a second cow. Two cows. <laughs> <laughs> what if there are three cows? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it was okay. It's not necessarily, it's very quiet and subtle. And it's long too. Yeah. Felt long. It's very slow, slow pace. Um, it seemed like it was actually filmed in pioneer days. The production <laughs> yeah. design is great. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a very good point. Uh, and it has that guy you like, what's his name? Oh, From to- Toby, Sound. Toby something. What is his name? Uh, Letterbox will load. His name is Toby something. <laughs> Toby Jones. Also, Eve the cow has a credit as playing the cow. <laughs> I hope that cow goes on to do bigger Other things. cow things. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I think if I re- ever did rewatch it, I would maybe pick up on more stuff between like their friendship and maybe like the manipulation from the some of the characters and just i don't know chinese people are bad basically <laughs> uh but yeah i don't know it's fine i gave it it's three okay. and a half i gave it a three so sounds like so far movies that have come out in 2020 they're fine <laughs> fine at best <laughs> we'll see if we ever get to watch tenet this year <laughs> uh, yeah, for better or for worse um all right we got one last movie to talk mm-hmm. about and that is Next of Kin from 1982, directed by some Australian person named Tony Williams. <laughs> um, so Next of Kin is kind of a slasher, I guess. I think that's where I heard of it. It was on like a lesser known slashers list. Um, yeah, I'd say it's more slasher. Although it's, it's not much slashing. Yeah, not to the end. <laughs> uh, it's about this woman who uh, her mother dies uh, and she goes, so she goes to the house where her mother lived, which I think used to be like their family home, but then they turned it into like a rest home hmm. for the elderly is what it seems like. A retirement home. Yeah. Um, and then she starts reading her mother's diary and seeing that like people in the rest home start dying. Mysteriously dying. Yeah. These strange deaths. Uh, and, and things are just seeming kind of weird around her. Like she might be going crazy. Um, and then in the last like 15 minutes, there's some great twists where a killer reveals themselves and 
there's a lot of explosions and a truck crashing <laughs> through a building. Mad Max style. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the movie is kind I like the music a lot. For yeah. one. It's got a great, like, cool synth score. Um, once the twist happens, the movie gets really good. For the last, like, 15 minutes, I liked it a lot. Like, I thought it was kind of The ending great. is way better than the, like, yes. whole beginning of the movie. <laughs> the middle of the movie is real slow and doesn't feel like a lot is happening. The only problem I had was with the twist when right before that comes up. I feel like you don't ever get any sort of hint that it's, like, who that person is. Like... Other than well, from the beginning and the very end, the, like so, the middle. It's like there's a person who's normal. impersonating someone else, yeah, and that person has not been in the movie that much up nope. to that point. So yeah, I agree. If that person had been involved in a lot of cases, and you're just like, oh, there's no way that person did anything, yeah. <laughs> then they would be a little more satisfying. I agree with that. Um, I did after after we watched, it, I was looking at reviews and stuff, and a lot of people compared this to like the Australian Suspiria or like Dario. It just as a Dario Argento movie. And I, yeah. t- I do totally get that, especially the, that. the ending in particular feels very much like demons or Suspiria or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some, there's some cool stuff there. Uh, I think this is worth watching if you're a big horror fan and are just looking for something you hadn't seen before, uh, like early eighties slasher stuff. Um, I will say we had to watch it with uh, subtitles because the Australian accents were so thick. And even then with subtitles, I still didn't understand what they were talking about sometimes because they were using these Australian terms or phrases that I didn't understand what they meant. The first time she like meets up with her boyfriend and they have this whole conversation was like, I don't know anything they just (laughs) said. I don't don't get it. No, I I see the words. New Guinea. Like (laughs) I, I see the words, but I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Plus, we had sound issues. With yeah, the movie. I don't know if that was just us or if it was a sh- something about the way I it's think on it was Shutter. On Shutter. Oh, yeah, transfer um, didn't seem. The right. movie's on Tubi too, uh, so maybe it, maybe they've got a better transfer of it or something. But yeah, I would I wouldn't mind get picking this up on. I think uh, Screen Factor. Somebody has a Blu-ray of it. I wouldn't mind seeing yeah. a better version of it. But um, yeah, I give it a three and a half. I give it three. And that is. Some of the many movies we watched this month. Yeah. So, what's well, your? Uh, well, yeah, your I'll give mine first because I know you beat me because I only watched I watched one movie <laughs> without you this month. I think you watched about ten movies without me. Maybe. During, <laughs> but uh, I watched thirty-eight movies this month. I watched forty-six. Damn. Which I think is the most I've ever watched in one month. That's gotta be a record. <laughs> yeah. I think I just started getting bored while I was working, so I'm like, I need something on in the background. <laughs> I think we are on track to watch more than 365 yes. movies in 365 <laughs> days. And people just wear their damn mask, like we get slow down. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to go out again. <laughs> um, yeah, we've watched at least one movie every day this month, and, and yeah. almost every month since May. I think June we dropped off. Because we went protesting one day. <laughs> yeah, we missed like one or two one days. One day we didn't watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it for July's movie. So now we're going to move on to our mini segments.
right. So our mini segment for this episode is going to be a movie memories. Anyone want some popcorn? Movie memories, movie memories, because <laughs> our memory has gotten so bad. <laughs> I'm a little worried about our memory. <laughs> like I didn't even remember Insidious. Yeah, this is, how many times during this podcast have we had to stop and yeah. figure out what I'm we're a, trying to say? Well, did you see like COVID can cause like memory I've loss? I've got it. We've got I it. I know. Like, what if we did have it? Now we have brain damage. Hurry, smell my breath. Oh can my you smell God. it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna talk about two movie memories from the distant past when we used to go out and see people and be around other people. Yeah. So you I'm going to go first. Okay. Cause I don't remember <laughs> I just too much. To ask if you wanted to, but all right. <laughs> so I think this was around the Atlanta film fest, uh, era. So I don't remember what year it was though. Cause my memory is shot. <laughs> I'll look it up and let you know. Um, let's see. Uh, 2015. We went to the Atlanta Zoo where they were showing Roar, which is a 1981 movie by Noel Marshall where it's kind of like a documentary, but not really. It's about Tippi Hedren, Melanie Griffith, and Jerry Marshall. It's a family who lives like on a lion sanctuary. Yes. Which they actually did live on this lion sanctuary. And basically there's like 70 lions and tigers freely roaming throughout their house and their property. And it's them just running around. He's like, don't bite me and stuff. Uh, yeah, there's like supposed to be a story, but it's basically just them trying to live their life and, and constantly get getting killed. interrupted yeah. by <laughs> deadly tigers. I mean, uh, lions trying yeah. to maul them constantly. So it was really amazing that we got to see it at the zoo. But unfortunately, the zoo did not bring out tigers yeah, into I the mean, audience. I thought, lions. That, I thought that while we were watching, we'd be surrounded by hundreds of lions yeah. and have to escape them while watching the movie. Real disappointing. You said they did bring out some animal. We I couldn't think they think brought out like reptiles Penguins. or a monkey no i would have remembered a monkey it yeah. must have been worse than a monkey <laughs> I, it must have been like a bird or a or a yeah. uh, snake or something yeah i don't know i, don't I mean it was cool to like go to the zoo at night and get to see this <laughs> yeah i mean it would have been neater if this was like outdoors in the next zoo or to something. the line <laughs> yeah it was just in there like screening room yeah. or whatever but still kind of interesting. I mean, it's I good mean, How for many people story. could say, like, I went to the zoo and watched Roar? <laughs> like, yeah. This movie is insane. Yeah. Insane. It's yeah. so The tagline for the movie is, no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. 70 members of the cast and crew were. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, oh, they had some guy, too, at the screening who worked on it. Oh, that's right. He was like, that. He was like, this is the one job in Hollywood if you needed money they were always hiring because nobody <laughs> wanted to do well, it probably also because people kept yeah. getting cycling in and out because they had to go to the hospital yeah so he time. said he would like every now and then like you do a week or two and then like go back a couple months later yeah it's worth i don't know that the movie is that worth seeing like it's 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 more about the it should would it would be way better as a behind the scenes documentary agreed but it's at least worth it to watch the trailer or look up pictures from it and just see when we're How talking about lions. Just watch we're not talking about like people living in a house and there's like two lions and they're trying not to kill like them. Cubs like some, either. That'd be like, like a horror movie. Lions. We're talking about like just looking at the picture on Letterboxd. There's like <laughs> thirty 
lions attacking this guy in this in their house (laughs) and also the lions fight each other too like you're not just fighting so you have all these like weren't there other weren't there like elephants and stuff too other dangerous animals i can't i don't remember they might have been outside yeah there was like like a a elephant or something yeah the movie is a while the movie's insane (laughs) totally insane yeah um yeah (laughs) <laughs> Anything else to say about Roar? I don't remember what the guy at the zoo was. It, he, I don't think he was like a camera guy. I think he was just like a set person. Yeah, I can't remember. But like, oh my God. Imagine the smell too. Oh, <laughs> just to like be. 70 giant Harleys running around. So if you watch Tiger King and you need more yeah, big cats Roar. in your life. <laughs> hey, they're cats and kittens. Yeah. <laughs> Check out Roar. Nice throwback <laughs> to three months ago. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Tiger King days. Yeah. Um. The one I wanted to mention was uh, one of the many times we got to go to the plaza and see somebody from a movie. Yes. So we went and saw The Room, which we had seen at the plaza before and since, I think. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of their recurring things. So we saw The Room and Tommy Wiseau was there. The man himself. And we've got the pictures to back up the crazy stuff that happened. (laughs) We were in line for the movie in, in the lobby of the plaza and tommy was walks in yeah he's throwing a football back with and some forth other person with, dressed as a tommy <laughs> yes i mean half the people in the line are dressed as him yeah <laughs> or somebody else in the movie he's throwing a football back and forth for whatever reason he michelle's got her camera out and is trying to take a picture and i guess he took I that i don't even know if i was going to take it i think it was just around my neck but he and took that he as a cue us. to yeah. grab us out of the line <laughs> and take like, uh, and have us take a picture with him. Yeah. Like put his arms he was around like, us. Take your time. It's cool. And he was so sweaty. So sweaty. It was gross. <laughs> I mean, it was everything we hoped it would yeah, be. Yeah, it was so gross. Um, and the other thing I remember from that screening too, we I had to find it. We videotaped the entire interview they did with him yeah. on stage, either before or after the movie. And the interview was bizarre. Because <laughs> um, there was a time when me and my friend were trying to... Uh, to we were gonna write captions for the whole thing or subtitles yeah. for the whole thing and put it up on YouTube. Any of it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think we gave up at a certain point. But I do, will remember somebody in the audience. It was a Q and A section. Somebody asked him how many belts are you wearing, <laughs> and he was wearing like seven belts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was a pretty memorable thing, mostly because I walked past the uh, in the Polaroid of it that we took. Yeah. Every day and <laughs> laugh at thinking. We took a picture with Tommy Wiseau, uh, not of our own volition. Yeah. But he, he forced us to take a picture with He's like, him. please don't touch me. It was very strange and very funny. Uh, so that was pretty memorable. Yeah, I miss events like that at the plaza. Yeah, one day things like that will might happen again. Maybe, if we're hope lucky. T- Tommy, if you're listening, I hope you're safe out there. Of course he's listening. He's probably selling uh, um, Tommy World masks. Yeah. I'd buy a Tommy World mask. Well... <clears throat> that's it for this episode but don't forget you can always see a list of all the movies we talked about on our letterboxd um you all can, the ones we didn't talk about <laughs> yeah and the other 25 movies we yeah. didn't talk about um you can also follow us on twitter at spliced podcast or on facebook at spliced together um let us know what you watched this month if you saw any new 2020 movies especially i want to hear about good stuff that we can watch because we're desperate please yeah. <laughs> um and then uh, we'll see. <laughs> Please clap. Uh, then we'll see you on another episode of Spliced Together. together.